so thank you so much for uh, having me today. Um, I told Alex that um, I didn't want to cry because I feel like this is such an interesting time in the church. Um, such lovely opportunities to bring correction and godliness. Um, and I don't want it to be a distraction. So maybe I'm being too hard on myself, but... In the center of um, sitting in worship and gathering for the first time in eight months, I was just so thankful. Incredibly thankful for how kind God has been to me and how good He's been, how restorative and how powerful He is. And um, I can't promise that I won't continue to be a mess up here. Um, so right now, I have these raggedy tissues <laughs> from the coffee shop. Um, I hope that they work for me. If my mascara starts running, you ladies need to let me know, okay? Like we got each other, okay? Thank you. <clears throat> so, uh, for the past eight months, I have been working through a very consistent state of vertigo. Um, mine is not episodic, it's actually consistent. So while you all are on very solid ground right now, I am on a boat. <clears throat> And sometimes the waves are super high. I can't get out of bed. Um, other times I can't sit up straight. So he's been incredibly faithful to me in the last three months or so. I've started to see some improvement. Um, and he's given me very specific instructions, but more than that, he's given me promises to confess. Um, and one of those promises that I'd like to share today is in John 9, 1 to 3. It says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God may be displayed in him. Now that's important because in the center of my sickness, um, I have Korean parents. I'm Korean-American. And the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, what did you do? What did you do that, that caused you to be sick? Are you, did you make yourself stressed? Did you, did, you, did you fail? Did you fall? Um, what did you do? And I think that pain has a very natural way of birthing shame. They kind of are like this really horrible married couple that just kind of bullies you. And in the center of that, um, I had that same complaint to God. I said, did I do something wrong? Did I sin against you? You know, I am a believer after all. Um, did I not believe well? And this is the verse that he gave to me. He said, you know, Lara, you're looking at the wrong thing. I'm doing something really good. Would you let me be glorified? Um, so I don't believe that he caused this. I think the scriptures are very clear about trouble in the world, that we will have them. 
but he has overcome the world. Um, so he didn't cause this, I'm sure about that, but I know for a fact that he intends not to waste my pain. Um, so sitting here in front of you, I contemplated a lot, like, am I supposed to do this? I really don't know if I want to sit up here in front of a bunch of people in my weakest state. Um, but he told me, he said, you know, in this season, you only have a tiny bit of oil in the same way that the widow had. And when you get up there, I promise to be able to pour out and fill everyone's vials. So that's what I'm here to do today. Um, so this lovely prompt um, in the different series, I truly wrestled with this because I'm a words person. I recently accepted that I'm a writer. Um, and I wrestled with it. I worked through so many different series of these and I stayed up until 1 a.m. last night <laughs> wrestling through it and I realized it was because I didn't want to share the thing that he wanted to share because I struggle with this myself. Um, so the prompt that I answered uh, or that I filled it out with is in a redeemed world. I dream about a community that forgives. Um, I've been praying for the state of our church uh, in the States, specifically because I think there is a lack of confession and repentance for one another. And when that happens, it starts to fracture trust within the body. It's fantastic for us to go to God and confess our sins to Him, but the thing that we need to get really, really, really good at is creating a safe space in the church to confess our sins to one another. So, um, in doing that study, uh, in thinking about it, I have been learning a lot from the friendship of Peter and Jesus and Judas and Jesus. And I wondered how those two friendships ended up so differently. Um, so I'm going to actually go to Matthew 27, 3 to 5. That's the story of Judas. And it says, um, When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Okay, so this is kind of a stab against Asian people, but I truly believe that Judas was a little Asian. Like, he was like the one kind of beige person in the center of like all the brown folks, you know? Like, I feel like the guilt and the shame and the self-punishment is like so close to my own experiences and like the family I was raised in it's like no one can rescue me from my sin you know I have done this horrible thing I deserve to be punished and so I will take it upon myself even though I have a fantastic God who is not short in his mercy I'm going to prove myself and I'm going to be riddled in my burden and my guilt, and I'm going to control this on my, by my own strength. I'm going to fix it. And that's what he did. 
Um, so in the story of Peter in Luke 22, 54 to 62, it says, Then seizing him, they led him away. This is after Jesus is arrested and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, and then some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together. Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So that last verse, he went outside and wept bitterly. That is the text that most people say that Peter repented. Um, but I was kind of like, well, he didn't say I'm sorry. You know, he didn't go to God and say, I'm so sorry that I did this, I betrayed him. You know, so in my mind, I'm like, he just wept. So I did a little bit of a, a deeper study and I learned that in the Greek, to weep is actually synonymous to mourn and to lament. And I meant the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Um, lament is something that's truly unique to Christians. It's not just the sorrow. Sorrow is kind of like this very lonely thing that you do by your own strength, by yourself. Lament is sorrow that's turned to prayer. So we're not alone in it. It actually is a form of communication. That word for bitterly in the Greek is synonymous to violently. So Peter went outside and he mourned, he lamented violently to God. So it's not just sorrow, it's our ability to share our grievances with God. Um, Matthew 5, 4 in the Amplified Version says, Blessed, forgiven, refreshed, by God's grace are those who mourn over their sins and repent, so they will be, for they will be comforted um, when the burden of sin is lifted. So there's a few things here. Um, I don't come from a family that's good at confession. Um, if I tell if I if I tell my family members that you know they hurt me. The first thing that they do is usually they'll start to come up with reasons. Um, I didn't do that, you're making that up. Or, you're right, I hurt you, but I also did this, this, and this. Don't you think that you should be grateful? We don't have to do that. We don't need our self-righteousness and our ego. In the same way that we find that it's hard to forgive ourselves for the things that we've done against God, or that we've done against each other, we don't have to hold that. We don't need our ego. I pray for us as a community, and then the newness of what kind of the, the rubble that's coming out from what feels just like fire and brimstone in the church. <laughs> because um, 
Burke Bidger would once said that when, when two stones rub together, it's kind of like the church. Um, it causes fire and destruction. That's going to happen in the church. When we gather for long enough, when we get to know each other for long enough, when we stay in family, we're going to rub up against each other. And it will cause fire and destruction if we don't stay under the river of the gospel. There's so much to know and to learn about the goodness of Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for us. Like, we don't know everything. And we will spend all of eternity, both here and now, um, learning about the goodness of God, learning about his kindness, learning about um, just the depths of his mercy. There's no way that we can hold on to our ego. We have enough to confess our sins to one another, to say, I'm sorry that I hurt you. And then also to not hold on to bitterness, too, and to go to that person and say, you know, um, I felt a little bit betrayed. I felt really deeply wounded by this experience. Um, just apologize, you know. It has such a beautiful ability to, to mend um, the depth of our wounds. So my prayer is, is um, very simply this. I, I want to see that in the church. I want to see not just accountability, but I want to see deep trust um, becoming reformed again. I think that we've had plenty of stories of how family members and, you know, we've been betrayed by them in the past, but we can do things differently. Um, I know I was asked to speak for like 20 minutes, <laughs> but I don't have 20 minutes in me. Um, so that's all I came to share today. Okay, a couple things. We were reading through the Gospels, and um, and um, Matthew 19 talks about the sense of forgiveness, and it was highlighted to me as I was reading it. I don't know if that was a conviction or if that was just aligning with what you're sharing. Um, but it, it tells us where we find the resources to be able to do this, um, this challenge that, that Nero shares with us, right, about how, how it is that we forgive. And it's the parable. Jesus tells a story. Um, tells a story of, of two servants. And tells the story of this unforgiving servant. Right? Just read real fast here for it. It says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And we began to settle. One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Mm. 10,000 talents, right? So it's like a number that's unimaginable. That's so so high. Just call it like a billy, you know. Uh, and he and he could and he and the servant could not pay, and so his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had, and his pain made him. So the servant um, starts begging, and he says, "Like, will you just have patience with me? Have patience with me." And um, it says that the master, out of pity, released him and forgave him the debt. But when the servant went out, he found someone who. Um, owed him money, his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii, okay? So it goes from 10,000 talents to a hundred denarii, so like just modern sort of translation, a billy to a couple hundred dollars, right? So he owes a billy, the, someone owes him a couple hundred, and it says that he goes after the person who owes him a couple hundred, and he seizes him, starts to choke him, and he starts saying, pay what you owe me. 
So he, his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, I will pay you. But he refuses that grace and went out and he puts him in a prison until he pays the debt. Mm. And so when his servants saw this, like anyone on his level, they, they went to the master and they said, uh, you know, this is what this person has done. And the master goes and finds him and he says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had the mercy on your fellow servant and that, as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his masters delivered him to the jailers until we should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And so the point of the parable, as, as Lyra's been telling us, like the, the proportion is this. like God is saying, look, um, you've sinned against me to, and because of my greatness, right? Depending on the stature of a person, sort of the, the difference. Like if I go to the president and I said, like, you fool, he's got great recourse because of like his position. To do something versus like if you know um like like my son saying you fool to me is not equivalent to like me going over to the president you know um and and so when when you cross someone who's infinitely magnificently wonderful like the lord um he said that the debt that we've been forgiven in this exchange is to the extent of like billions but when we start to go at each other's throats and next for the ways that other people have hurt us, it's like we're going after them after hundreds when we've been forgiven for billions. And so the only possible way, I know that people have hurt you. I know that, you know, I know that we carry great wounds. And the only way, um, and the only way we're going to have power to live faithfully into the hard call of forgiveness is if somehow by worshiping the Lord, um, he's able to relativize what's been done to us. Does this make sense? When we see, oh my goodness, this great God who, who we often ignore, who we often dismiss, has has healed us, has forgiven us to the billions, and then we have resources enough welling in us to be like, okay, um, this is real hurt that I carry. I'm, I don't dismiss it as illusion. We're not pantheists, we're not Eastern, we're not Hindu. Okay, this is real broken things, real hurt that we've experienced. And the only way possible is I believe that the God of the universe has has forgiven me to the buildings. Would we be a church who feels that extravagant grace? Um, and it's not easy. I just think about, like, hearing Lyra and, and her story reminds me of this quote. There's, um, in, and, and I'll end here, we'll, 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 do, we'll do a little bit of response, maybe worthy is the, um, but the story I'm reminded of is in Screwtape Letters, okay? C.S. Lewis writes this uh, story, and it's on, it's, it's this uncle demon who's writing to his nephew demon, and he's training him up to be a good demon. And there's this one mm. phrase, all right, that uh, I think is, like, really pertinent to what we saw from Lyra and, and, what she, and what she's experiencing and also what she's exhorting us to do. Um, and this uncle demon is writing his nephew, and he says, Do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause, this evil, demonish cause, is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring, but still intending to do our enemy's will, looks around the universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished, and asks why he has been forsaken, and still obeys. Okay? Our cause is never more in danger than when a human no longer desiring, it doesn't feel good to do, 
but still intending to do our enemy's will, looks around a universe in which every trace of him seems to have vanished, and asks why he has been forsaken and still obeys. Two levels here. She leered and asked for eight months being in her home. Every opportunity, like, Lord, why did you do this? And still stepping out in faithfulness. Okay. The second level is this. Um, the Lord has, has intended for us to forgive. Amen. And everything in us often wants to push back against that inclination. Yeah. Oh, but, but Lord, did they, they did this. What, what about the way that this still impacts me today? Hmm. Again, the extent to which he goes in order to forgive us becomes the basis and the resources for forgiveness. And it doesn't say what happens to you doesn't matter. It's the exact opposite. It's saying, look, it, it, what happened to you matters so much. What matters so much that I'm, I'm willing to go um, to give up of myself in order to see you fully healed now and in the, in, in the, in the world to come. Okay? Um, it matters so much that you experience pain. And when you look at the cross, you know that you are never alone in that pain. But at the same time, forgiveness, forgiveness is the way to heal. Um, our inability to forgive is a limiting factor on our own flourishes. It feels good to cultivate this, this sense of self-righteousness. You feel good. But over time, um, these little twists in us that, that form a pride that will be uh, for our own destruction. And so it's not only like, oh, uh, this is not arbitrary, just forgive because I told you to. It's like, no, forgive because the wholeness, the flourishing that you want to experience is only possible as you lean on me in forgiveness. Um, and so would we be a, a forgiving community? And the only way that's possible, here's the movement, we look up and see the worthiness of a God and his sacrifice on behalf of a people and then as we look at him and we gaze what he's done on our behalf, we are filled with resources, perspective, power that can only come from the Spirit to do the impossible thing that we cannot do. It's the only way. And so we're going to just work through that sort of thing. We're going to sing to him, remembering the ways, remembering the ways that we have been affected by a broken world and flawed people who are trying to navigate this broken world. Um, and we're just going to say, Lord, I, I don't have it in me to forgive these people. So would you, would you give me a sense of how much you love me and what you've done to meet me in, in my woundedness and brokenness? And, and as I look and gaze upon you, would I see the way that you see the people who hurt me? Your love for them. So we'll sing a, a couple runs of that, and then I'll ask Ari to come up. <laughs>